Hey Fred, I'm Mike McCurry. Welcome back to Bible Tract Echoes. And as promised, I have Pastor Sherwin Ramos with me again today. And we'll introduce him a little bit more in just a moment. We get to hear actually some snippets of his life story. If you are listening in and you'd like to keep up with the McCurry family travels, I would encourage you to text the word travel to a phone number I'm about to give you. Just uh, every couple of weeks, maybe even a month, a month or two months, months in between sometimes, I'll send out a text letting people know where we're at so they can pray for us and they just see some of the things that God is doing through the ministry of Bible Tracks. So if you want to text the word travel to this phone number, it's 309-316-7240. Again, that's text the word travel to 309-316-7240. Zero. And to all of you that already get those texts and correspond with us, thank you so very much. We've been very blessed this month with dozens and actually hundreds of people that have committed to pray for us in the month of January, Pastor Ramos. You and I both know that we can work as hard as we want, but if it's God that gives the increase and it's Amen. the people of God and their prayers that really, really make the difference. That's so, cool. Pastor Ramos... I've known you for, technically I've known you for over a year, but it's been kind of spotty in between there because we saw each other last January and here we are again in January. But I've gotten to know you and your life story somewhat. My wife and I, just by way of illustration for why this means so much to me, my wife and I got to go to Kenya and we got to see how people not in the, without some of the blessings that the first world offers, mm-hmm. how life is, both in the food that's eaten, in the homes that people live in. But you had an upbringing that, number one, is interesting, but I also think, spiritually speaking, we can learn something from. So if, if you would tell the folks where it was you grew up, uh, what, where, where it was in the world, and, and what that upbringing was like for you. Well, my name is Sherwin Ramos. I'm from the northern parts of the Philippines. I was born in Angeles City. Uh, Some of you American brethren might know where Angeles City is. That's where the Clark Airfield used to be. And my parents worked there uh, at a time when my mother just got saved. She got to know my father and he got invited to the church during an evangelistic meeting where my father used to be an altar boy at a Catholic church. And so being in a church that's not Catholic for him was somewhat of a uh, discomfort and he said at one point, he felt like he was burning, didn't feel like he was supposed to be there. But then on the third night of those meetings, uh, the Lord got a hold of his heart and he got saved. Now, after that, of course, they formed a family. They got married, they formed a family. And then he felt a call to go back to my mom's island and start a church there. And so right after I was born, they went there and we stayed there. That's where I grew up. It's a remote island uh, in the province of Pangasinan up north. Um, it wasn't connected to the mainland by a bridge or anything. You had to cross a, a channel with a ferry or a, a pump boat uh, to, to get to the island and then to go get to the other side to do some shopping. So I grew up with very, very um, primitive um, things. I didn't have the, the luxury of going to the store for anything in order for us to feed ourselves as children. And this is one of the questions my children would ask me sometimes, what, what was your favorite street food growing up, Dad? I said, there's no such thing. You either went to the jungle or you went to the sea. You grabbed whatever was moving, put it in the fire and burnt it and cooked and ate it like that. So that's how, that's how we survived as kids. But despite that, though, it's amazing how 
the grace of God could not be prevented from reaching even the uttermost as mm. the Lord has promised. So the grace of God working on that island, people got saved, a church was formed. I grew up in Sunday school. I grew up learning about God uh, through some of the used materials that were handed down to us by the missionaries. And my parents were saved under the ministry of an American missionary, for which we are very thankful. I was telling Brother Micah, uh, the other day that uh, I'm deeply grateful for the United States of America for the fact that you sent your missionaries and for the churches that have prayed for them. Because uh, I ask a question, where would I be without those gospel missionaries mm. that have gone there? So after that, I, uh, when I was seven years old, I trusted the Lord as my Savior. And uh, that's when things became real for me because he wasn't just the God that my fathers served or being taught in Sunday school. Uh, he became my own personal Lord and Savior. And... Uh, when I was 15 years old, I had this all-night encounter with the Lord in a sense that growing up in church and growing up in a pastor's home, I didn't feel like I repented from anything. Mm -hmm. So there was a struggle because as a growing up, as a boy growing up, I had some, some issues in my own morality and my own personal life that I thought maybe I wasn't truly saved. So I had a one night of perhaps fellowship with the Lord, where I had to just ask him the question, Lord, did you save me when I trusted you back then? And so that night, I believe God dispelled all my doubts, reminded me that in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, once you put your absolute faith in him, you're always saved forevermore. And so that said, that night was settled. Uh, not long after that, I sensed the call of God upon my life to be in ministry. Although at first I didn't, I didn't want to be in ministry. I'm an introvert by nature. I'd, I'd rather be in the back background. I'd rather be doing something else than be out, out, out front ministering to people. But the Lord uh, made it very clear to me that He wanted me in ministry. So right after high school, I went back to the same Bible college that my father attended, and I, I did my Bible college training. And so in 1990, I finished, went back to my home church and helped my father for a little bit until the Lord saw it fit to send me to, or to bring me here to Australia. And uh, when I, get, I got here, I had no idea that God could use me here. Being a young Filipino boy, uh, having the pastor church in Sydney was something like uh, a dream that I thought would never become a reality. And it did happen. God called me here. I became a pastor of Lumea Baptist Church, where I'm, I am at now. But there was a time when I had to leave that ministry because, once again, the Lord spoke to my heart through Isaiah chapter nine, uh, chapter 6, and verses 8 and 9, where the Lord said, Whom shall I send? will go for us. That's when I was considering missions, and uh, Paraguay became the direction that the Lord wanted me to go to. So I spent 10 years in Paraguay. The Lord gave us the opportunity to start a church there, and it's still going, praise the Lord. Uh, there's a young preacher that's now taking over and is training other Paraguayans for the gospel. So uh, I praise the Lord for the work he has done over in Paraguay. But towards the end of 2020, the Lord brought me back to Australia without realizing that the pastor that stayed behind after me here at Lumea was about to go somewhere else on a new assignment for, for the Lord. And so the church asked me, would I step back in and against my own uh, senses, I said yes, because I, I knew that that's what God wanted me to do. But my desire really is to reach out to the next generation now. I'm at the age now where I, I know I won't be here for, for a long, long time, physically speaking. I need the next generation to step up. So my prayer, my desire is that the same way I was groomed and I was uh, reached out to and I was, uh, some people invested in my life for me to be passionate about the Lord and the Lord's work. I pray that that would become the same thing that I could pass on to the next generation in my church and perhaps 
fellow churches in the area. So that's where we're at at the moment. And that's why there's there's this partnership that kind of Man. is beginning with Brother Curry and uh, perhaps some of you brethren over at the, in America. Uh, you're invited and you're welcome to come here for your winter time, which is our summer. <laughs> if you want to thaw yourself away from the coldness of winter a little bit. It's been 75 degrees and beautiful today while it's very chilly back home. Yes, and uh, one of the reasons that it's amazing how God puts kindred spirits together with yeah. the same goal. And I have a desire for this thought, I, I think I brought on Sunday, for multi-generational ministry. Yes. And that's a desire of yours. And that's why you realize we're at a campground right now, right now investing in some young people and preaching. And right behind me are some of the chairs that they, they, the young people sat in during some of the services. And this takes work. Yes, There's investment of time. Yes effort. There's money that goes into it. Yeah. Uh, most, I don't know of really any Christian camps that really make a whole lot of money. Oh. Normally they lose it and the churches make up the backlog of money or what have you. Yeah. But the, with all that investment, it's a very biblical thing, yeah. what we're doing. And so I'm glad God has brought us alongside each other. And funny enough, I, I was lining out this week of broadcasts. What would the Lord have me speak about? And obviously it worked out that I was able to talk to you this week. Nice. But uh, tomorrow and Thursday and Friday, I was planning on sharing with the the people listening that thought about multi-generational ministry. Nice. Because this is, I mentioned on Sunday, and it's the truth, there may be there may be no other, but I would definitely say one of the top two or three burdens on my heart mm. is multi-generational ministry. And uh, it sounds like I'm 31 years old mm -hmm. and say, why are you so, so, uh, so worried about it? Because those of the previous generation won't be around forever. That's right. And I, as a younger man, if you will, I need to learn everything I can. Mm -hmm. But you know, as well as I, time passes so quickly That's and right. there will it will be a blink of an eye mm -hmm. and i'll be 40 and 50 and lord terry is coming 60 and 70 and i will have it's one of those things you do as an older man often what you did as a younger man habits get set mm -hmm. and if i'm not worried about investing in the next generation now it's not gonna i'm not gonna flip a switch when i turn 50 and all of a sudden become it it's not gonna become a, it's not going to be important to me right. and so and before we sign off, though, you said something, because I'll be talking about this, this multi-generational mm -hmm. thing the rest of the week. But you talked multiple times about following God's will and following how God led you, even away from what could be considered comfortable circumstances. Right. Uh, so maybe talk to people for like a minute and a half or so, if you can, just challenge them with the need to follow God's will. Amen. Um, what really opened my eyes to just following the Lord wherever he led was, uh, again, when I surrendered to go to the call of, to preach, it was Isaiah chapter 6 that the Lord used. Again, when I surrendered to go to the mission field, the same thing. And uh, the idea there is that when you take your focus away from yourself and your circumstances, and you put, put, put your focus on the Lord and him sitting upon his throne and him uh, being the almighty omnipotent creator saying, whom shall I send? Hmm. Who will go for us? It's not necessarily that he is desperate for workers. He knows whom he can call, but he's placing upon our hearts a burden to get, to get alongside him and get on with his program and realize that we might have not have much to offer, but Lord, if you can use my life, but there's nothing else I would rather do uh, than to be in your service. And uh, some people ask me, how much of a sacrifice did you make to go to Paraguay? 
I say it's not a sacrifice. It actually is a privilege to serve the Lord Amen. Jesus Christ. Amen. And then to hear uh, Brother Zach Kinney, my friend, mm -hmm. who I brought with me for camp this week here in Australia, to hear him as an even younger man than I, mm -hmm. in his early 20s, talk about if the Lord leads him to Papua New Guinea and different things, but just to hear him talk about how God's leading him and to see that God's work isn't done. Right. No matter how dark you may think the world may be, yes. God's work is not done. And so I'd encourage right. you to be part of God's work, to be a, a fellow, a co-laborer with us, even from your side of the world, wherever you happen to be. So thank you so very much for tuning in to Bible Tract Echoes. Pastor Almost, thank you so much you so for much. Jo joining us. And we hope to talk to you very soon. Have a great day for His glory. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracts Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample booklet of all of our tracts, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 130, Dwight, Illinois, 604 a faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.